Once again, good morning, everybody. So good to see you. My name is Tim Harris. I am pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. If you are in the cafe this morning, we love you guys. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of worship, being a part of our church. If you're joining us by means of audio or video podcast, uh, it is amazing to us that you found us and, and you honor us by joining in the Word of God with us. So take your Bibles and open up to Luke chapter 1 today. Luke chapter 1, the Gospel of Luke. Uh, this is the uh, second in a... Actually, third message in a series entitled Forgotten Girls of the Bible. Uh, today we're going to focus on uh, Mary. Now, some of you would say of all the girls in the Bible, Mary's the least forgotten. She's the mother of Jesus. But I want us to come back today to her story and see what we can learn about this highly favored girl uh, in, in the Word of God. Uh, I just want to remind you that the big thought from last week, that the big thought about women and about girls, of course, and it is this, in the soul of a woman, God places strength. Remember that he created her to be the etzer, the, the, the strong helper for the man. And truly, the man and the woman were created together to combine their strengths, to bear God's image in the world, and to embark on this great, great, great adventure of serving him. So in the soul of a woman, God places that strength and also that longing for a great adventure with others. The girl's heart, the woman's heart is relational. She wants to belong. She wants to feel precious, and she wants to feel connected to others. That great adventure in the woman's heart is one that typically brings her alongside others to use her strong, uh, her strong uh, help, her strengths, and combine those with the strengths of others in order to do God's work in the world. This is the, the intention. This is what God puts in the soul of a woman. But as you know, to bring out sometimes what God puts in us is a very, very difficult thing. So uh, I want to talk to the girls today. I want the girls to help me. Um, girls, who is this? Yeah, it depends, on, it depends on, yeah, you're both right. It's, it's, it's Anne Hathaway. She's the actress. It's Anne Hathaway. But this is Anne Hathaway in her movie role from the movie called The Princess Diaries. This is Anne Hathaway from The Princess Diaries, absolutely. Her character's name was Mia Thermopolis. Mia Thermopolis was her name. It's an awkward name that fits and an awkward girl, at least in the beginning of the movie. This is a really pretty amazing movie and one that a lot of girls have really loved. Uh, Mia Thermopolis, the character in the movie, and when the movie starts, is 15 years old. She is very, very awkward, as you can tell. She has frizzy hair out to here. She has these really unfortunate glasses. But, but let me give you a hint. This is an aside. This is Pastor Tim's rule number one of movie watching. Whenever in a movie you start at the beginning with an awkward girl in glasses, at some point in the movie, she's just going to take off her glasses, and she will be gorgeous. Now, it's just a rule of movies. She's going to take off her glasses and be gorgeous. But in the beginning of the movie, Mia Thermopolis is just awkward, really, really awkward. But she finds out that her grandmother, whom she's never met, is coming for a visit. Her grandmother's name is Clarice, and it turns out her grandmother is actually the queen of a kingdom called Genovia. Absolutely. So... She meets her grandmother, who is the queen of Genovia, and as it turns out, you never would have guessed it, but Mia Thermopolis is actually a princess. 
She is the princess and the heir to the throne of Genovia. So this is how the movie takes place. After she realizes that she's a princess, they take her aside. They take off her glasses, and she's beautiful. She has this entire princess makeover. She goes through princess lessons. They give her a limousine. They give her a bodyguard. They give her a crown to wear. And by the end of the movie, she accepts her destiny as the princess of Genovia. She dances with a boy at the Genovian Independence Day Ball. And of course, as you know, at the end of the whole thing, she moves into the castle in Genovia. Yeah, wow. It's a really, really fun movie, and it's a really fun character that a lot of girls relate to. Um, what do you think it is about that story, girls, that makes it so good? Can somebody tell me? You know, that really sounded like a man's voice there, and that's kind of scary. Uh, what is it, girls, that makes this movie so good? I mean, you're from a girl, a woman. There's hope for us all. Yeah, yeah. It's just this idea that I feel awkward and I look kind of plain, but I might be gorgeous and just don't know it. I just need to take off these glasses. You understand? Yeah, it's that idea that I, I could actually be gorgeous and I just somehow, nobody ever noticed I was gorgeous. It, it's that kind of idea. And honestly, that, that desire to reflect the very beauty of God is deep in the heart of a lot of women. That, that desire to somehow have a beauty uncovered. It, it's in this movie. Maybe that's part of the attraction of the movie. That idea that I really could be more gorgeous th than I know. But, but even more than that, my life could be more than I know. I could actually be someone very significant. I could be a princess. I could have this life, this adventure that, that at the present moment I know nothing about. My whole life could change in an instant. Maybe that's the attraction. Somebody could just show up out of the blue and lay a crown on my head. And from that point on, my life's going to be amazing. But, but honestly now... That's just in the movies, right? That's just movies. In, in real life, nobody lays a crown on your head and makes your life an adventure, right? Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, girls. Let's take a look at it together. Luke chapter 1. I want us to start together in verse 26. Luke chapter 1, 26. I know it's not Christmas. But I want us to take a look at Mary, the girl who is highly favored. Let's find out what that means. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Uh, every girl, every woman in this house be listening. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named, say your name, Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph at the descendant of King David, Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, highly favored woman, the Lord is with you. Now let's stop right there. The fact that she's engaged probably confuses some of you because in our culture, at what age would you expect to be married? Just tell me. How old should a girl be when she gets married? 26. That's good. Yeah, 26. Yeah. And Richie Ham, who has three girls, says 30 would be a good age to start dating. Yeah, about 30, 26, 30, something like that. So we tend to think of engagement and marriage being somewhere way down the road. But understand, Mary's not in our culture. It's a very different day, a very different age. And so for Mary, the fact that she is betrothed, that she's engaged, probably means she's something like 12 or 13 years old. 
okay? So, so this is a young teenage girl. So keep that in mind as you read this story. This is a young teenage girl to whom Gabriel says in verse 28, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Underline those words, favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him, say his name, Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. It's just movies, right? Where somebody comes and places a crown on your head and from then on, your life becomes something very different, something grand, some adventure. That's just movies, right? Well, it's in the Bible, too, at least in this story here. Her, her name is Mary. She's just a girl. She's 12, 13 years old. I mean, wrap your head around that. It, it's a girl. And it is a girl into whose life and into whose hands God entrusts all of what he's going to do to save the world. For this moment, it is just in the heart of a girl. Her, her, her name is Mary. What seems to set her apart is how the angel greets her. Back in verse 28, what does he say about her, about her in particular? He says, greetings, and what's he call her? Favored one, highly favored one. Mary, you have found favor with God. You're, you're highly favored. I want us to think today about that word favor, and, and, and girls especially. I want you to think about what that might mean. The angel approaches Mary and says that she is favored. Now, that word favor, it, it's the same word where we get the word favorite. And so we start thinking that, that Mary must somehow be one of God's favorites. She's favored. Uh, my, my, my grandmother used to some, some, some say that she wasn't going to favor one of us over the other. The idea was if you favor one, then you must not favor others. And so favor becomes this, this sort of comparative quality between people. Some have favor and some don't. Now, honestly, in Scripture, it does seem to play out that way. It does seem that some people have God's favor and some people don't. And we need to ask ourselves exactly what that means. Now, uh, you know, in, in Noah's story, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And what happened to Noah? The, the entire world was destroyed and Noah and his family alone were allowed to live. So, the fact that Noah found favor meant that God destroyed the entire planet but allowed him to live. Favor must be a very, very important thing. 
The scripture says that Moses found favor with God, and Moses, and Moses alone was allowed to see the very glory of God as it passed by. So, so, so this favor of God is a very, very important thing all through scripture. I, I challenge you, girl, to open your Bible, go to the back, find a good concordance, look at all the times in the Bible when you can find people finding favor with God. And you'll understand it's not everybody. Not everybody gets God's favor. Now, I can say this, everybody gets God's love. That, that's obvious. Everybody gets God's love, but not everybody gets God's favor. Everybody gets God's love, but not everybody gets God's favor. Mary is highly favored, the Scripture says. Now, when I was in college, I had this buddy. He was Pentecostal, which means he was filled with the Spirit, and he spoke in tongues, and he'd heal you, and and, and he was amazing. He was a really, really great man. He's a Pentecostal pastor today. I love him. But my brother used to say that we should pray for favor. He believed that we should pray for God's favor because he said that if you have God's favor, then you would have a lot of advantages in life. If you had God's favor, then you would get healing for all of your sicknesses, all of your diseases, he would say. You should pray for favor. Once when he was speeding down the interstate, he was pulled over by a police officer, and he told me the story of how in that moment he stopped and prayed for favor. He prayed that he would have favor in God's eyes, but he also prayed for favor in the state trooper's eyes. And he said that very day, the man did not write him a ticket. He rode off in favor, you understand, and under the speed limit, I trust. So his idea was that if if you have God's favor, then then God will do you favors. You understand? That's kind of how it worked for him. If if God favors you, then you will get some, some nice perks in life that other people won't get. And that's sort of the way he thought of favor. But honestly, that doesn't seem to work for me. I really don't like that idea of favor because I think that makes things look a little bit upside down. The bottom line is God does not exist to serve me. I exist to serve God. So I don't really think that in our relationship with God that anything is going to turn in such a way where God is just going to sort of be there making sure that I get out of all of my speeding tickets. Certainly, I want to think that God's favor, whatever it means, it must mean something more than than I may be spared the stomach virus when the rest of you get it two weeks ago. I had it with you, so obviously favor doesn't work like, like that. God doesn't exist to serve me. I exist to serve him. So whatever favor means, it does not mean that God has favorites, does it? It does not mean that some of us will receive uh, extra kindness from God, extra perks, uh, extra pleasures in life, simply because God has chosen to favor us. That would make God a, a really bad grandma, not to mention not a very fair God. So what exactly does it mean when the scripture says, greetings, Mary, highly favored one? In Scripture, favor is very, very important. And I think it is something that we should desire. So, so what is it? First, turn back in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. Let me show you this important thing. I said that we don't all receive God's favor. We all receive God's love. But Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6 says something very interesting. 
It says, we praise God for the glory of his grace in which he has, say this word, he has favored us. We praise God for the glory of his grace in which he has favored us who belong to his dear son. So interestingly, I, I said that we all get God's love. We don't all get God's favor. But something amazing has happened in Christ. All who are in Christ, the dear son of God, all who are in him, they actually do receive God's favor. You see that? We praise God for the glory of his grace in which he has favored us, all of us who belong to his dear son. So, so there is something here. But because of Jesus, because of what Jesus has done, all of us who are in Christ actually receive God's favor. Now, notice the connection between this word favor and this word grace. They actually come from the very same root, so they're related. So what does it mean to be the recipient of God's grace or God's favor? What does this mean? We praise God for the glory of his grace. What's grace? Yeah, exactly. Grace is to receive what you absolutely don't deserve. Grace is to receive what you absolutely could not have dreamt of or imagined. To receive grace is sort of like if somebody suddenly steps into your life, lays a crown on your head, and from that day on, your entire life is something that it never would have been. Do you understand? Grace is about suddenly hearing your true name called and realizing that this is way beyond anything that you're worthy of, anything that you could possibly deserve. So grace has has nothing to do with what we deserve. Grace has everything to do with God's goodness and what he does for us through Jesus, okay? So we praise God for the glory of his grace in which he has favored us. All of us are highly favored because of Jesus. All of us are highly favored. So again, what exactly does it mean? What exactly is favor? I want to at this point go to a man named Stephen Furtick. He's a great preacher and use his definition because I think he's exactly on target here. Read it with me. Read these words. God's favor is the guarantee of his presence and the provision of his power to accomplish his special purpose for your life. God's favor is the guarantee of his presence and the provision of his power to accomplish his special purpose for your life. So it's not about being God's favorite. It's not that God somehow favors some of us more than others. God's favor is the guarantee of his presence, provision of his power to accomplish his special purpose. There are important P words in there. So understand it's presence, it's power, and it's purpose. Those are the three things related to a favor. So let's talk about these things. Go there with me. What exactly does it mean? Let's start with the guarantee of his presence. At one point in the book of Exodus, Moses, who remember was highly favored of God, Moses was despairing and, and, and ready to quit, ready to stop. He was ready to walk off and leave the people in the wilderness. He was ready for whatever. He was ready to quit in his life. But, but there was an amazing moment in Exodus chapter 33 where Moses speaks to God, and this is what he says, and, and it says something very important about favor. Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably upon me and your people if you don't go with us. Moses seemed to understand that God's presence is connected to God's favor. And so Moses says, if, if you don't go with us, how can we be favored? How can other people know that we have found favor? He recognizes that God's presence 
is connected to God's favor. Now, again, if, if I'm speaking to the girls in the house, I want you to understand something very important, and I want you to see Moses' attitude here, because this is the way you have to think about your lives. Moses says, if, if, if you don't go with me, if, if you don't go with me, I'm not moving. If, if you don't go with me, I'm not going by myself. Moses reaches this moment in his life when he recognizes that he doesn't want to be anywhere in the world where God is not with him. And he recognizes that God's presence is related to God's favor. It is the guarantee of his presence. Do you understand that? All I want to say to you, girl, is, is that God loves you so much and you need his presence more than anything in the world. I know that the world tells you that what you really need is the presence of your friends, a, a, a circle of friends. Or maybe the world tells you that what you really, really need is a boy, a, a boy. And you can be on his arm or you can ride in his car and that makes you somebody. And, and I'm just telling you, please don't believe those lies. Now, friends are wonderful. And I guess boys are wonderful. Be a good time for my wife to say amen right there, but you know, <laughs> nothing, nothing. But what you have to understand is, is God is everything. God is everything. And in this life, you honestly could make it without friends. You could honestly make it without a boy. You will not make it without God. You need his presence. And to be favored by God is first off to have that guarantee of his presence. Moses says, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. This needs to be the commitment of your life, that you will go nowhere where God does not send you. You will go nowhere without the promise and guarantee of his presence. Moses said, how will they know that you look favorably upon me if you don't go with me? It's his presence. Favor is that promise, that guarantee of God's presence. Back to Luke chapter 1. Back to Luke chapter 1 with Mary. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I, I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. Verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. So we said that God's favor is the guarantee of his presence and the provision of his power. It is the provision of his power. Now, this starts sounding really, really good, doesn't it? The idea that with God's favor, now I also have at my disposal God's power. I want power. We all want power for life. Life itself is overwhelming. And the circumstances of our lives at times are absolutely beyond us. The challenge of life itself is more than a lot of people can possibly meet. So understand, we want, we desire that this provision of supernatural power. And the amazing thing is the scripture promises that with God, nothing is impossible. So that is the kind of power that God has given me access to, this power to do the impossible. So that means when I have God's favor and I have the guarantee of his presence and the provision of his power, my life is going to be really, really easy. Correct? 
because I have the power to do the impossible and I have God himself with me, this is going to be one good ride, is it not? It's going to be easy because I've got God with me. And if God is with me, understand who can be against me, right? That means all the mean girls at school, they are never, ever, ever going to notice my cow licks because God is with me. And I have the provision of his power. That means if I can do anything of God's impossible power, that I can stand before the mirror and I will be able to tame my eyebrows. That's a girl thing, right? I can do the impossible, right? So my life is going to be easy. I will probably sail through high school in the 4.0. I will probably get into the college of my dreams. I will probably get the dorm room that I choose. I will have the perfect roommate. It will be Jesus or whatever. You know, I will have the perfect roommate. And I will sail through college with a 4.0. I will have a fantastic major. I will study abroad. I will have men at my door. I will choose. It'll be like my own personal episode of The Bats or The Bachelorette. I will have my choice of all of the most amazing people in the world. I will marry the, the man of my dreams, you're thinking. And then my life will be amazing. I'll just be popping out babies and working at the bank and making money and living in a house and redoing the kitchen. You understand? Life is going to be good. Because of God's favor. Well, I mentioned Noah, right? Noah found grace. Noah found favor in God's eyes. And how did that go for Noah? Man, Noah himself narrowly escaped the end of the world. You understand? He, he, he lived through an apocalypse. He had to build a boat. It took him years and years and years. I mean, he found God's favor, but his life was much harder after that. I mentioned Moses, Moses who found favor with God. But, man, God took Moses out of the backside of the desert after he was already an old man and sent him back into Egypt, the very place he never wanted to see again. And from that point on, Moses' life was very very difficult. And at the end of that, understand Moses himself died just like six inches from the promised land. He never even got to see it. That that was Moses. Esther in the Bible had God's favor and she was beautiful, everybody says. Most beautiful women in, in the kingdom, but did that make her life easy? No, she found favor, but that favor meant that Esther was asked to step into situations that could cost her her life. Her life uh, was a life of danger and a life of fear. If you not read her story, her life was not easy because she had God's favor. You know the story of Ruth, who also found God's favor? Ruth was absolutely alone in the world. Her husband died when she was young. She had nobody left but this mother-in-law, and that mother-in-law was the most depressed and gloomy woman that ever lived. I mean, this woman just got up every morning and rained on everything, and Ruth somehow decided to stay with her. Ruth stayed with her mother-in-law and moved across the country. Ruth's life was very difficult. She lived in poverty. She used to go through the fields and gather the corn that the farmers just failed to pick up. I mean, that was what she ate. Ruth's life was very, very difficult. David had God's favor. You know all about David. He fought lions and tigers and bears, oh my, but he also fought the giant, Goliath, and And it turns out Goliath was nothing like the challenge of running for years and years and years from Saul, the lunatic king. I mean, David's life was dreadfully 
hard. You, you know that Mary was highly favored, and the angel Gabriel came and placed her crown upon her head and said, you were highly favored among women. God is with you. Understand the promise of his presence, and, and nothing is impossible with this God, so you don't even have to ask how it's going to happen, Mary, because nothing is impossible with this God. It's the provision of his power. Did her life get easier? But then the next few months, the man she was going to marry, Joseph, was about ready to divorce her. Possible that Mary, this 12-year-old girl, could have been stoned. You understand, she knows she's a virgin, but now she's pregnant and showing, and nobody else is going to believe that. Understand, nobody believes that kind of story. We all know there's only one way that a girl gets pregnant, and Understand, nobody wants to throw that baby shower. It's just very, very difficult. And so Mary is now out into the world with this baby that is belonging to God, but nobody's going to understand that. Nobody's going to believe that. You know, throughout Mary's life, she continues to love her son and chase after her son. At one point in Jesus' ministry, she came, she and Jesus' other brothers and sisters, the scriptures say they actually came to take him home. They felt like Jesus was making a fool of himself. They felt like Jesus might be a little off balance, maybe needing some sort of medication. So, so they came to take Jesus home. And Jesus stood right there in Mary's own hearing and said, who is my mother? Who are my brothers and sisters? My mother and brothers and sisters are those who do the will of God. I mean, he said that to his own mother. You know, early on when Jesus was young, there was a prophet who said to Mary, this is a beautiful boy, but he's going to be like a sword piercing through your heart. And he was like a sword through her heart. Don't forget that Jesus was also highly favored as the son of God, but it took him to the cross. And so don't forget that Mary, who was highly favored of God, she stood at the foot of that cross and watched her son died. Do you think for a moment that having God's favor makes your life easier? Now, it's true that you get the provision of God's power, and God's power is infinite. There's nothing impossible with God. But if you're going to be serving this God who is going to demonstrate impossible power, that means that in your life, you're going to have to be put in situations that will require impossible power. It means that God wants to show you so that you will know that he is always, always the Lord over your circumstances. And that means that sometimes your circumstances will be dreadful. It means that sometimes you will be put against the wall so that you will learn that your God is a God who can bring down the walls. You understand? It means that sometimes you will be placed in a very, very dark place for a very, very long time so that you will learn that your God can shine light into darkness. Do you not understand that? It means that sometimes you are going to be friendless and alone in a very, very big world so that you will simply understand that even though you are friendless and alone in a really, really big world, you will never, ever be without him. Do you understand? And sometimes your life is going to be very, very difficult, daughter. Do you not understand that? But there is the promise of his presence and the provision of his power, and you will never, ever know what it is to be without him. But, but, but there's a... There's a condition here. It's the favor comes because of what Jesus does. And everybody received God's love, but not everybody received God's favor. Why do you think that is? 
It's verse 38. For all that the angel Gabriel has said, that there's one thing that we still wait for, and that's what in the world's Mary going to say? What's this middle school girl going to say? I mean, understand, God is a great God and a God with great power, but God isn't a God who just comes down and takes little girls and works them like puppets on strings. God has revealed his beautiful plan for Mary, but, but now everything waits for Mary. I mean, she has something to say here. And she can say yes and she can say no. You understand that, right? She can say yes and she can say no. What does she say? Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. God's favor is the guarantee of his presence and the provision of his power for the accomplishment of his special purpose for your life. It's about his purpose. It's about his purpose. God wants to shower your life with blessings, no question about that, but you have to put yourself in a place where God can bless you. God does want to write a beautiful story for your life, but you have to be willing to play the part that he writes for you with utter faithfulness. Mary says, I am your servant. I am your servant. Let it be for me exactly as you have said. There is in no way, no no promise that her life will be easier. Obviously, it's going to get harder, but, but this is the big point here. God has decided to be good to you just because he is good. When we talk about God's favor, it is simply not that you're good or you're cuter or prettier or somehow God has just chosen to favor you above others. It's not about being elevated above others. God is good to me and God is good to you for the simple reason that God is good. God is good to you just because he is good. And God wants to show the world who he is through you. See, when we talk about this purpose, this is the purpose for you, young lady. It is that God wants to show the world who he is through you. He has a a, a purpose for for your life. And your life is about so much more than than, than lip gloss and and, uh, Twitter. It's it's so much more than music and and boys in in school and, and whether or not your hair is straight or whether or not your hair is curly. It's so much more than clothes. It's so much more than everything that everybody tells you. Your life is about letting God show the world who he is through you. This is why you were born. And there is this beautiful, beautiful part of God's face that the world will only see when they learn to see your face. And that simply means that you have to, like Mary, simply say, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's. My life is his. And whatever he wants for me, that's what I want. That's what Mary says. 
And with those words, may it be exactly as you say, with those words, she steps into the future that God has for her. She steps into the purpose that God has for her. And the moment she steps into that purpose, you understand, then the the provision of God's power and the promise of his presence and the blessings of his favor come to her. At that moment, understand, a, a crown is laid on her head and her life will never be the same. What's that like? Is that just in movies? No, no. This is the life God has for you. What's it like? It's terrifying. Mary's terrified. The angel has to say, Mary, don't freak out. Mary, don't be terrified. She's terrified. But in the end, she sings a song and she says, my soul rejoices in the Lord. You understand? There is this strange mixture of terror and joy. I would say fear and fun. And honestly, when you step into the great adventure that is your life that God has for you, it's this incredible mixture of terror and joy, fear and fun. For me, it's like roller coasters. I I love roller coasters. And some of you I just lost because you hate roller coasters. So now you think, you know, I can't can't go there. But but just go with me for now. Uh, Roller coasters are... Are, are amazing. I, I, I love, love, love the roller coaster, mostly because I love that feeling. You, know, you go up that first hill, and I'll say, I hate that. I hate the first hill. I hate that sitting back in the seat going click, 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 click. Ah, I hate that. I hate that. And you all know, I, I, I struggle with anxiety and sometimes panic attacks, and I can nearly have a panic attack, not, not kidding, going up that hill, click, 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 click. I, I can't stand that. Everybody else screams when they go down. I want to scream going up. Ah! I hate that part. But, but you, you top that hill, you top that first hill, and what happens? You start going down, and for a split second, you're completely weightless completely weightless. That's why you've got those things over that harness over your body, you know, so you don't, you know, right up. You're completely weightless. And then you start down. And I love that. I love that. I love that feeling. I love roller coasters. I love roller coasters because I really, in my life, have learned to, to really thrive on that mixture of fear and fun. I, I don't think that's an emotion. I don't think there's a real word for it. But, but it's just that, that terror and joy. And, and this is what it's like to serve God. This is what it means. Maybe for the girls, maybe it's the equivalent of the first time you rode a really big horse. It's something like that. That, that idea that, that, that this is dangerous. I know that it is. This could kill me. But, but something about me just doesn't want to stay on the ground. You understand? Something about me says you were born to ride that animal. Do you understand? It, it's just this incredible Doing the hard thing, even though it's hard, and doing the scary thing, even though you know it's scary, because you know that there's joy in this. Uh, Yes, life's going to get hard. And whenever you step out to serve the Lord, life gets harder, not easier. And even though you're drawing upon a God with infinite power, nobody really likes to be in situations that require infinite power. But this is what you're signing up for. This is what Mary knows that she's doing when she says whatever. Whatever he wants for me, that's what I want. My soul rejoices in him, she said. So, it's really not just a fairy tale. It's the gospel that tells us that out of the blue, 
someone has stepped up to you and sees beauty that you've never seen before, worth that, that you've never imagined. And it's not because of you. It's not from you. It's from Jesus. But, but he gives it to you. You're more gorgeous and beautiful than you've ever imagined. And, and your life is more. You may feel invisible and insignificant and inadequate, but then out of the blue, someone comes and lays a crown on your head and says that you're favored, highly favored. There's only really one response for that if you're really going to live your life. And the response is simply to say, I, I am the Lord's. I am the Lord's daughter. I am the Lord's handmaiden. I am the Lord's servant. Let him do with me whatever he wants to do. My soul rejoices in him. Do you hear me, girl? From out of the blue, a crown on your head. You are highly favored. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, there is no beauty in us. There is no goodness in us. The old nursery rhyme may tell us that girls are made of sugar and spice and everything nice, but we have met enough girls to know that that is not the case. All of us together, Lord, we are not sugar, spice, or anything nice. We are sinners. And left to ourselves, Lord, we don't tend to get better, we tend to get worse. Left to ourselves, we don't become prettier, we become uglier people. Left to ourselves, Lord, we don't manage to find ourselves living a life of fear and fun, Lord. It's just all fear. But God, we thank you that you and you alone are the one who created us. And you and you alone know what you have placed inside of us because of Jesus. And you have truly placed a crown on our heads if we will be faithful enough to wear it. God, I pray that today this congregation will hear the good news of your favor. Hear, Lord, the good news of the promise of your presence and the provision of your power and the calling to some higher purpose, Lord. May we step forward into that purpose as your servant so that we may know the blessing of your power and the thrill of your presence. God, there are girls in this congregation that we know you've called into a great adventure of life, and you have given them strength and the promise of your presence and the provision of your power, and yet they continue, Lord. They just continue to wait for something to happen. They wait for someone to come and call them out or place a crown on their head or somehow teach them the path to walk. Lord, today I pray that you would set them free from fear and set them free. Free, Lord, from, from the feelings of inadequacy, and I pray, Lord, that you would just set them on fire to serve you as your daughters in the world. God, I pray that the girls in this church would come alongside the rest of us, that they would find their purpose, that they would serve you, Lord, with gladness. I pray, Lord, that you would lead them into all sorts of thrilling adventures in life. And Lord, may we as a church be wise enough to support them and to applaud them and to send them on their way with our blessings. Oh, God. 
It is a great big world. And there's something about the bigness of the world that makes us want to keep our children, our daughters at home with us. But Lord Jesus, we know that they are not created to serve us. They are created to serve you. So Lord Jesus, though we would like to simply make them our little princesses, Lord, I pray that we would not Shrink them, Lord, to the size of the crown that we place on their heads. Lord, may you grow them, grow them and stretch them that they may learn to wear the crown that you place on their head. Lord, I thank you so much for the men and the women, the boys and the girls in this congregation. May we learn how together to serve you, how to live as people of your favor because of Jesus.